Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development educator and NLP trainer here, and you're listening to episode 163 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast intended to offer tips, tools, strategies and insights for helping us have the best quality life and relationships that we can. So welcome to uh, this episode, episode 163, entitled Focusing on Others to Avoid Focusing on self. Um, this episode is, uh, I guess, inspired somewhat by the uh, latest book that I'm reading, which is excellent, which is Women Who Love Too Much by Robin Norwood. And um, what I very much liked uh, about this particular uh, book was it talked uh, or it referenced what's known as the sunny side of control tactics. Uh, where we, there are certain ways to control people that tend to be more socially acceptable. If I'm a chronic do-gooder, if I'm a chronic rescuer, if I chronically function for other people as a way to um, effectively stay out of my own anxiety, then this is way more acceptable uh, in in culture than self-focused, exploitive, aggressive tactics. So I wanted to look at this side of um, other focus and how it's used to keep us out of focusing on ourselves. If we become experts, let's say, for example, if we grew up in a very chaotic family system, then as a child, some of the childlike thinking is that if if we're only good enough, if we only work hard enough, if we only try enough, um, if we keep out the way enough, whatever it is that, that uh, we, we might um, believe, um, then we can change our family system or we can change a dysfunctional parent. Um, and this is, as a child, way better than the alternative of recognising that you're at the mercy of a system you're absolutely powerless to change. So delusional thinking, denial can really be, in some ways, you know, helps a child to navigate. But of course... When we become adults um, and we've really refined these routines of being chronic people pleasers, chronically focused on others, chronic rescuers, um, then um, always thinking we know best for others, then it really gets in the way of having genuine intimate relationships or in order to continue to stay stuck in those uh, adaptions, those survival patterns from childhood, we need to be attracting in um, a partner or partners that will allow us to stay in that dance of a chronic rescuer. So if, I, if I'm fixated on others, if I'm constantly focused on what other people are doing or thinking for them about how, I, how they, they can do their life better, then I, I need to find an underfunctional because I'm not going to be drawn to somebody who doesn't need me. So... Um, I, I, you know, the rescuer needs someone to rescue. And, and so at an unconscious kind of level, sometimes beyond our awareness, we're drawn to people 
who if we stopped for two seconds and looked at their life, we could see that they're chaos. But to a person who's stuck in chronic rescuing, this is, you know, this is this is jam on the scone, so to speak. This is fantastic stuff. So what, what this kind of chronic people-pleasing, chronic um, focusing on others, chronic rescuing, chronic um, taking care of others in a way that actually for the most part, weakens them. You know, we're doing for others the things that they could actually do for themselves. Um, then what What the benefit of that is, is one of, you know, one one area is that I, I, can, I can manage your life better than you and it's stressful for me to watch you do your life. So in order to, I'm going to advise you or do things for you as not, you know, what I get out of that is it reduces my stress, or at least in the short term. But for the most part, what we end up teaching people is that they get to sit back, we'll do more and more, we get exhausted, resentful, and yet we can't put down those chronic fixations because we've, we've, we've used those to survive. And if we stop for a moment, then we have to confront the emptiness or the terror or the sadness or whatever it is that we were trying to outrun through chronic people-pleasing, rescuing, and doing in our childhood. Um, and it takes a lot to be ready to kind of do do that because it can be sometimes we, we've ended up focusing so much on other people that we, when it comes to focusing on self, we really have no, no idea. Um, and, you know, we can be drawn to the people's, the people-caring professions and I, I think that's lovely as long as the focus, again, is not trying to rescue people who don't want to be rescued, um, that we spend more time understanding people, not rescuing them, and that we spend more time supporting people to find their own strength rather than them borrowing our strength, that we hold space while they 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 find their functioning and we surrender to the fact that they may or may not do things very well to begin with. But like anything, when, we, when we're taking responsibility and charge of our life, um, we have to be prepared to do certain things poorly. Um, and the same goes for the rescuer. The one who needs most rescuing is themselves. Um, so that when the rescuer stops to start to focus on their own self, they're likely to feel mystified, frightened, empty. There's a number of emotions that come up. And, and again... Um, Sometimes what happens is at an absolute loss. I don't know what I want. Um, but if we put down all of those survival mechanisms, those ways to manage anxiety in our childhood and attempt to rescue and change our family, then we have a chance to have genuine, loving, intimate experiences as an adult. But that doesn't come with floundering. It doesn't come with without anxiety, it doesn't come without uncertainty and, you know, being strong enough and certain enough and wanting genuine intimacy enough that we're willing to step into the space or the temporary void to figure out, well, if I'm not always thinking about what others are doing, if I'm not always judging other people, if I'm not always thinking about how to make other people's lives better, then... How am I going to keep focused on me? How am I going to stay present for my emotions? How am I going to deal with some of my you know, beliefs, self, 
you know, self-beliefs of inadequacy, you know, that I don't believe I'm enough, that I don't believe that I'm lovable unless I'm doing for people, that I, that I, you know, I'm terrified if people disapprove of me. Um, if I'm not doing for others constantly, then I get triggered with guilt. Um, that can be a lot to sit in and work through, but, you know, ironically, the rescuer is the one who most needs to be rescued. Um, and if we, if we think for a moment about how successful those strategies were in our family system, did anyone change? You, you know, if we had an addictive, a parent with addictive issues, did they get sober? Um, it would not, more than likely, um, you know, for a person to get sober, let's say, then that's a choice they have to make for themselves. We, you know, we can do everything. We can get them the literature, we can yell, we can scream, we can advise, we can lecture, but until a person's ready, um, all, all of that is for the most part um, a waste of air, but at least we feel like we're doing something. So it's not, it's, it's not in any way to um, denigrate, uh, but it is understanding, you know, it, it, it's more about the compassion for the strategies we used but how are those now causing us pain in our life? Um, you know, we feel bad, but in the public eye, we look good. It, it's, it's, a, it's a facade, and it's one that comes at an escalating cost to self. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of very interested in these sorts of things and 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 as i said i would certainly recommend the book women who love too much by robert norwood to anyone who's had a series of really disastrous relationships or find that they have they tend to partner up with people that really aren't good for them um and, and you know what's that about in self that we're picking those kinds of people um because again if I do best when I'm in a rescuing, supporting role, um, and I tend to flounder when I'm not doing that, then of course I need people whose lives are a mess around me so that I can do my thing. Um, and functional people uh, are going to be just not on the radar, or I might consider them boring, or I might get kind of confused because I can't go into my song and dance because they don't want to hear my advice, they don't want to hear my lecturing, they don't want me to run out and get them information, they don't want me to do things because they're doing all that for themselves. So um, when I'm met with healthier people, then I'm up against me and, and the things that I do and go, well, how do I get better? How do I get healthier um, in self? So that if we find that we're somebody who manages our own anxiety by continuing to be focused on others, then it's some of the steps that we need to take there is again, you know, we start to set boundaries around thinking for others. If, if, if it's in a professional context, of course, but that we're not spending out the rest of our time outside of our workplace fixating on other people. Um, we're not, um, if we're required to support people in the professional role, we're not acting the same way with a partner or with friends and family, especially when they didn't ask for it. Um, that we're keeping the focus as much as we can on ourselves. What am I doing right now? What am I feeling right now? Um, what do I need from me right now? Um, you know, 
we're, we're putting our energy on our own life goals, our own self-relationship, our own self-work, and leaving others to do whatever others will do and whatever others are ready to do um, is, I think, something that's very important. But it is difficult to let go of certain strategies that get us a lot of pats on the back. Um, that, that can be very, very challenging. Um, but again, um, if we want richer and fuller lives, then we, if we're, we, we, and more, if you like, um, life driven from the place of self, from a place of, um, authenticity rather than adaption and, and old survival, um, skills that, as I say, might have been very, very vital to getting us through our childhood, but probably caused more pain um, and frustration as an adult. So there's today's episode. I hope it gives some food for thought. Like I said, I think it's very, you know, if we're doing certain behaviours that that seem to work, but they are adaptions from childhood, um, you know, how do we rein those in a bit? Um, or at least start to get more aware of what's driving certain things for us and how are we being deprived? How, how, do, how do I be my own supporter uh, more, more completely rather than chronically trying to um, fix others? Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at for, for this particular um, episode and, and my, um, my ramble, so to speak, on this particular topic. I hope, as I say, it gives you some things to to think on. And apart from that, um, as always, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Um, If you've been listening along um, for a number of episodes or right the way through, as always, my profoundest gratitude to you wherever you are in the world. And and, And I really do appreciate you taking the time to be following the show. Um, If you're just joining us, welcome. I hope you enjoyed the episode and it gave you something to think about. If you want to continue to support the show, I'd really like it. If you'd go to iTunes, download, subscribe and leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to find the program. And additionally, the show is available on Stitcher, Podbean and other podcast mediums as well as at the website emergencetraining.com.au. And... Until we're with each other on another episode, thank you again for listening and uh, wish you every joy and success in your life. And bye for now. Thank you. Bye.